Today on the Name of Better Duo podcast, we have Rebecca Elijah. Rebecca Elijah is the CEO and founder of Hill Entertainers, where she coaches and advises entertainers, creators, and athletes from a Christian perspective. This up-and-coming R&B and gospel-influenced singer and songwriter has a heart for helping entertainers find healing, purpose, and direction within the industry and in their personal lives. Rebecca has a master's in clinical psychology in view and works closely with nonprofit organizations to offer group therapy to the community. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. It's so crazy because we've never actually physically met, but I feel like I know you. I feel like you're a sister. We've just through social media. (laughs) Seriously, like I feel the same way. Social media be powerful sometimes. It really is. Like it it has its, its qualms, but it has some great points to it as well. So you have a powerful movement. And that's how I met you through Instagram. And we'll get into that in a bit. Um, But yeah, I'm just so excited that you're here. But before we get into the nitty gritty and you tell us what you do, I like to do a little icebreaker just so we can get to know you a little bit. Okay. If you could hear any song again for the first time, what would it be? Okay. This this question usually is the most difficult question for me to answer because this, if you know me, you know that I love music. Like I'm a girl who goes out and every single song is her song. This is yeah. my song. This, it's me. It's me. I'm her. Um, <laughs> but if I would have to choose, it would have to be something Michael Jackson. So um, Baby Be Mine, mm. that song be indifferent sometimes. Like that's gonna be my answer for now but I know if I looked back on this maybe even like three days from now it'd be a different answer but it would definitely be something Michael Jackson yeah it depends on the day but you can never go wrong with some MJ okay never I'm telling you I just added some Jackson 5 to my playlist and never would I have thought to put Jackson 5 on my playlist but it's like a feel-good vibe and I'm I'm here for the pick-me-up okay (laughs) literally I don't know what it is like I think when you think of Michael Jackson everyone has a certain song where they're like oh I remember I heard the song I was doing this this that the third and I was like oh what is this so definitely Michael's music yeah it's the nostalgia for me yeah (laughs) so Rebecca what does a perfect day look like to you Ooh, a perfect day has to a perfect day would be food number one food, food has to be in the perfect day like I like to eat um and definitely (laughs) good music like I said music means a lot to me so good music and then also good weather like warm like summertime but not like the type of hot weather that's like frying your skin you know what I'm saying like that good balance and a lot of laughter um I just love to laugh so be it with my friends or my family whoever it is as long as there's laughter food and music it's a lit day it's a good day It's lit. I'm here for it. That sounds like my perfect day as well, honestly. (laughs) Like for real, like June, early June. Okay. Before Mm. the humidity, this East Coast humidity hits different. Man. Like it's not, it's not for me. It's not for a black woman. So like early June, some good comedy. Like I said, it could just be me watching a stand up comedy show or. Mm Eating some good food, some seafood, a little Thank old bay seasoning. Look, <laughs> can't go wrong with it. I've only yeah. been to the East Coast once. And when I say, I think I was like, I had to have been to the age of like 12. I need to go out there more. But the way the humidity got me, it was, I think I was in Florida. 
man, oh. this is, what's, what's this? Like, I could actually touch the air. Couldn't be Vegas. <laughs> and I'm in Maryland and we don't have anything on Florida. So you got the worst of it. <laughs> and then Las Vegas, ooh, that's that's the dry heat. So that's Man. like the whole total other end. But it gets 123, 123 degrees, 130 sometimes if you get it hot over here. Mm -mm. I was there for 4th of July one year and I was just like, but for whatever reason, I don't know. I felt like when I came here, I just... Mm -hmm. After being gone for so long, I lived in LA for a few years and then coming back, I was like, I can't breathe. <laughs> like, it's just like, why can't I <laughs> different, different. Okay, so where are you from? You talked about Vegas a little bit. Are you from Vegas? Yes. And yeah. like, talk about your upbringing and how it shaped and molded you. Okay, girl, this it could be a long answer, but I'm gonna try to sum it up. So um, I'm from, born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada, and then my parents are of Nigerian descent. So we are thick on that Nigerian culture, real thick with it. And on top of that, like when people hear Vegas, they're like, oh, you grew up in Las Vegas, party. <laughs> None of that happens before 21. I grew up in the suburbs, like where everyone is like getting married fresh out of high school, like they're booed up till that time on. Um, it's like everyone's very community family oriented over here. Um, so, but on top of that, there's so many different diverse types of people. I mean, it is Vegas still. So there's a lot of different people that you'd meet. So because my parents were in ministry, um, as well over here, it's like, we got, we were experiencing everything. So I feel like growing up that kind of helped me to see people and just understand where they were and where they were coming from just because I was in every single group I was kind of like a free floater if that makes sense yeah that's funny to hear and I love meeting people from other parts of the country because you do as soon as you think here Vegas you think just the strip you know yeah. you think about there's outskirts of Vegas and mm -hmm. like it's not a party all the time people yeah. have families and you know so to hear that is funny. And I know I've been to parts outside of that part of Vegas too. And it's like, oh, it's just regular homes. And like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know this existed here. No. So that's cool to hear. That's really, really cool. Okay. So we got to know you a little bit, Rebecca. Um, we heard your bio and some of the amazing things you're working on. And we're going to dive a little bit deeper. So you have an incredible gift of prophecy and that is kind of how I got to know you because you have this incredible movement on Instagram live. We're going to talk about that in a little bit too, but how did you foster that gift of prophecy? Oh my. Okay. This is a question. I feel like I'm still fostering it. No one ever stops fostering a gift, especially when it's given by God. It always has to be maintained. It has to be pruned. So I think growing up, the biggest thing was that my, my dad had prophecy as well. And so did my mom. So it's like, I kind of just grew up knowing how to prophesy, but not knowing that it was random, if that makes sense, because I heard it so much. It was normal in my home. So I'd be like, God said you should do this. I don't think you should do this because God said. <laughs> From the age of three, my mom would be like, yeah, you, were, you would be prophesying. You would be saying this. You'd be seeing angels left and right. 
And so for me, I was like, me and God were, were homies. Like that was my father for real. Like we'd be having conversations on the daily. He'd be like, okay, go and do this. Don't do that. So I go to my parents be like, um, yeah, God said I have to do this. So I'm not going to do this today. Like I would just let them know straight up. And it was so funny because it took a lot of trust for my parents as well, because at that point, because they saw the gift so young in me and even in my siblings, they're like, okay, we just, we're just stewards at this point. Like we can't stop them if God is the one saying it. So I think what helped me to even foster this gift of prophecy was the trust that my parents, not only did they believe me when I'd say like, okay, I'm seeing this, or I feel like this, I don't know what it is. And they would help me to interpret that um, and understand that. It was also the fact that they put their trust highly on God. So it was trusting God to steward or to guide me through where I was going and where he was sending me. Um, so, you know, I think there was times where like I was in like college or even before that, I did not want anything to do with it anymore because for me, it was so normal, right? But when people hear it, they're like, oh, prophesy, do this, do that. Blah, blah. And you're like, mm, what? Like, God, like, what's really happening? You know, you have a desire to help people. But when it feels like the attention is on you and not on God, it quickly shifts from feeling like, oh, this is like an intimate conversation with God. And I'm able to communicate what God is saying to other people to you being the center of attention. And I never liked that. So when people would like tell me, like I used to get told like, oh, you're going to be a pastor, this, that, the third, I would just bawl. I'd start crying. I don't want it. Can I just talk with God and do this? So I think another way that helped me to foster that gift was really to surrender what people's opinions looked like and to just be still in who the Lord said I was. Um, so that also caused me to have to sacrifice some things. It also needed required me to be obedient um so there'd be times when god was like training me i call this the hidden times because anyone that has a gift anyone that god wants to use you're gonna go through a process of being hidden and it will feel like god why are you still here do you love me why are you doing this to me but in reality he loves us so much to hide us to prepare us so mm -hmm it was the surrender and obedience to do the things that he would call me to do. So to foster my gift, he would literally sometimes wake me up at like three in the morning. He'd be like, okay. I'm like, up. I'm like, okay, we're praying today. He said, no, go clean the kitchen at 3am. What am I doing? Clean the kitchen. I'm like, okay, I guess cleaning the kitchen. But then after that, there'd be a word that came from that. God would be like, oh, you saw how you were just cleaning the kitchen. He said, I'm getting you prepared to serve others through the gift that I'm giving you but I need your heart to be clean. And that starts in the times where it feels like people are asleep on you. Does that make sense? So people were over here sleeping on me. I was like, hello, lost all my friends during this time. No friends, nothing. And it was to a point where I was having, it felt like I was going through a depression, a pan panic attacks, really bad anxiety. But one thing that I knew for sure is that God was with me. So one thing I would tell myself this, this too shall pass. There's a purpose to this pain that I'm feeling, this loneliness that I'm feeling in this moment. So when it came to fostering my gift, it really just required me to rely on God because I didn't know how my gift should look like. I just knew that I loved God and I hear him and I want other people to experience him too.
Mic drop. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like I said a lot. You said so much goodness. Bubbling. No, because man, first of all, what you said about the prophecy and the attention on you, like, you know, people, I feel like so many people are confused and so many people want to have answers. And when they think that someone has this connection, you know, like she's that connection to God, she's going to give me the answers. They kind of can take advantage of that or, you know, I don't want to say abuse it, but in a way, yeah. And I'm a a human being. Yes, I'm a vessel that God's using, but it's like, this this is precious when God speaks to you it's precious you know Man, and I really relate to that I think one thing that I didn't realize because at a time I literally just stopped I was like I'm just gonna stop prophesying altogether because it felt I was worried I felt very um I didn't want it to feel like people were seeing me as God and not God as God if that makes sense yeah. And sometimes that's a interesting thing to say, like, oh, get off your high horse. But it's the amount of attention people would put on my words and not the word of God itself. So um, I stopped. And then God was like, Rebecca, what are you doing? And I was like, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I said, do you see what they're doing? Like, this is supposed to be about you. Like, I just mm-hmm. want to dance. I want to go out. I want to have a good time. And I want to, like, talk about you all the time. And he was like, but don't you understand that there's a community of people that in order to see me, they have to understand it through a person first. So it's like, God had to teach me that in those times where I'd feel scared, it's like when they're talking and they're saying stuff, you bring it back to me, you know? So it was like God revealing that we're just all conduits. We're really all conduits to God. It's not even that people are, especially when it comes to entertainment, I feel like I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but when it comes to entertainment and entertainers, Sometimes people are like experiencing like happiness, joy through what people are releasing. And there can be a pressure of like, man, now I have to be this so that they can also keep receiving this. And God was like, no, you're just supposed to be a conduit of the gift that I've given you. Because as they are experiencing your gift, they're drawing closer to me because your gift is glorifying my name. Mm. Yes. I don't even know. I kind of went off topic, but. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so, so good because we, as I feel like as people, we kind of build this like dependency on people, on things, on whatever's going to soothe us and make us feel better or make us feel good. We're all like every day is a challenge and we're all looking for something to just give us some type of assurance. Yeah you know, that we're okay. And I think that I just think of, you know, I just going to church even, you know, I grew up Pentecostal. And so there was a lot of prophesying and a lot of like letting the Holy Spirit move the service type Mm -hmm. of situation. And I've seen, even recently I went to a church um, where there was a lot of prophecy that takes place and people are mad when they don't get a word. (laughs) You know, <laughs> like they are people are so hungry and thirsty for something and it's like yeah. you have to realize like you have to build this relationship so that you can tap into this too yeah. so yeah. that you can hear from him too so that you're not reliant on this individual mm-hmm. who may not you may not always have access to man and that's why Keep that's why the reason why I started my lives because I'm like I want to help people to understand that 
everyone has the ability to hear from God. And a lot of times people hear from God, but they're not aware that they're hearing from God because they're like, oh, it's my conscience. Something was telling me to do this, but they don't know that that something was someone and that someone was God, yeah. you know? So when it comes to even hearing God, it's really like practical, right? So mm -hmm. it's like not waiting until you, oh, finally a word came for me to experience a community, like communing with God, like that conversation, because honestly, prophecy should be a form of intimacy. It's literally just hearing instructions from God, having conversations with him. So mm -hmm. the more you build on that, the more you're able to hear and speak to him, you know? So I 100% agree with what you're saying, where some people will be upset. They'd be like, ah, uh -huh. I didn't get up. I ain't coming back no more. And it's yeah. like, dang. <laughs> we gotta teach we gotta i think bring the focus back into the relationship and the intimacy of god yeah 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 there's so much there we're gonna get back into that <laughs> um we've talked a lot about your love for music and that you sing as well what has music meant to you how has it impacted you oh my god <laughs> okay music is literally it's literally an expression of me. So you know how it's like when words fail, music comes in, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because I had to ask God, like there'll sometimes it'll, it'll feel like, like Jeremiah where those fires shut up in his bones, but it would be music for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'd just be singing around the house. I'd be singing. I didn't want people to necessarily hear me singing, but I'll just like do random things like for me. And God was like, why are you hiding your gift? He said, don't you know, I place this within you because it's also a way that you self-soothe yourself. So God has blessed everyone with natural self-soothers. So people will be like, oh, it's, I'm passionate about this, whether it's dance, whether it be like going to the gym, um, you have like the ability to draw, whatever it is. It's like God puts that in people, not only as a passion, but as a way to self-soothe themselves. So when people find that they're like, they're really, I noticed with the people who I've like done like coaching and counseling for, um, when I asked them, why did you stop doing this thing? They're like, well, I don't know. And when I tell them to like get back on it, their life has meaning again, or it feels like it has meaning again because they were able to reapply that thing into their life. So for me, music always did that for me. It felt like a way to express myself when I didn't know how to. Mm -hmm. um, and it just felt like intimacy. I don't know. That's really just the word. Like there's just something about music and singing that makes me feel like I'm home, like safe. Yeah. yeah. I love that, that you bring up that self-soothe. I had someone on the podcast a while back and she does, um, she creates bath bombs and like skin products and things. Like that. And she, we talked about self-care versus self-soothing. Mm -hmm. And um, I had never even heard that self-soothe before. But a lot of the time, I think that's what I and many other people are in search of is like something to just like self-soothe because life yeah. is so, especially now, I feel like in yeah. the generation that we're in, everything is so loud. It's so much going on. We're like- yeah busy bees because we have so much you know we have technology we have so many things that we are able to do because of everything being at our fingertips and I really feel like God is really like challenging us to just be still yeah to like slow down sometimes 
and just kind of hear from him. And I think that that's what that urge for self-soothing is. Yeah. Stillness. Yeah. I agree. And it's really, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'll just say like with your, your uh, passion for music, like music sometimes can just still us, you know, get us thinking, overthinking so much, you know, just calm down, (laughs) you know? That's the word. That's the word. I love that you said that because I was going to say like, the word is really stillness. It's really funny because there was times where God would be like, go sing. I'm like, "Mm?" I say, you don't even tell me to go pray, but like go sing. And so I'd be in the in the kitchen or I'd be doing stuff and I just start singing. But then there would be this stillness that comes over me and then I could hear God more, if that makes sense. Yeah. So sometimes the things that God will ask us to do will be to still us, to soothe us, so that our spirits are centered enough to actually receive and hear from him clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's a word <laughs> you brought up to that your counseling and we talked in your bio about your company healed entertainers, which yes. redefines support and mental health for entertainers, creators, and athletes. Why was this particular group of people so important to you? To be honest, I always knew I was going to work with this part, like this group of people because, okay, it came to me in a vision when I was seven, mm. uh, Actually, that was the first time I ever encountered God um, within a vision. And I was seven and I knocked out. And I remember being gone for two days in this vision. But when I got up, my parents were like, you were only gone for two minutes. And I was like, what? No, it was seven days. He told me this. I went here like shocked, flabbergasted. I thought I was gone, gone. I said, my parents are going to be worried, God, when are you going to send me back down? But <laughs> he, in the vision, he told me, that he was sending me to help the entertainment industry. He said, mm-hmm. I'm going to send you to the entertainers so that they know that I am, that I am with them and that they are loved. Um, and so when it came to it, when I grew up, like just seven, eight, nine, ten, every single year, I'd be like, God is sending me to the lost entertainers so they know that it was just something that was instilled with me. So it's funny because even when I lost sight of it, because it didn't look like life was ever going to take me there, there was just this knowing inside my spirit that knew like, oh, this is what you're going to do. Um, and I feel like when people look at their life, situations will also always lead them to where they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will look like, ma'am, this is a problem. Like, why am I going through this? Uh, uh. And I was always surrounded by people. It felt like I don't know how, like I would be in the middle of nowhere and entertainers would low key, like I would just always end up in that midst to be able to speak to them. And uh, it got to a point where I'm like, Lord, do y'all, this, this is a little suspicious. Like, do you see how many people you're surrounding me by? But at the time I wasn't aware of that. There was purpose to that. I had forgotten what the Lord had told me, even though it was an innate knowing inside me. So it's like when people are like, oh, well, I, I thought God said he was going to do this for me. I guess not. You got to look at the circumstances within your life and what you're experiencing, because it could be that everything that you're experiencing is just a new puzzle piece to connect you back to the original purpose that God has for you. Because when we try to insert ourselves into, okay, for a second, I was like, maybe I'll do neuroscience. Maybe I'll do biology. Uh, maybe I'll just do this. Like, I want to sing. I'll do, I'll sing like this. I was trying to insert myself in one or the other, but God was like, I didn't call you to one or the other. I called you to do both. 
but because we live in a society and even a culture and even like when it comes to just religious cultures as well that make you feel like oh you have to choose this or you have to choose that like be of the world don't be secular so for a long time I felt condemned for being me because uh -huh. I didn't know how to fit myself into each either group, if that makes sense. And God was like, I'm not calling you to one or the either, I'm calling you to both. So I was like, because I didn't think it existed, it wasn't until after the hidden times that God brought me into an understanding. I said, wow, y'all look like, y'all love God too? You be singing, you be, you be creepy, you know? And so I was like, wow, but I would not have been prepared for this particular time or season in my life had I not gone through what I'd gone through. So sometimes people can be embarrassed of their past, but don't trivialize that because even in those hard moments, God was there with you, training you to prepare you for where you were called to be. So when it came to um, specifically entertainers, when I look back, there'll be times literally I'll be in the plane, entertainer here, entertainer here. I'd be like, wow, aren't you from this one show? Yeah. Don't you play with this one team? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Then, oh my God, this you. Okay, so this is what's happening. Talk to me. What's going on in your... And it would always be like that, just randomly. So my parents like my family like it got to a point where everyone was just so used to it they're like that's becky like that's her life um and i got so used to it that i almost shied myself away from creating at the same time so mm -hmm. when god was like yeah i called you to minister to these people but you can't speak unless you actually involve yourself in what is going on in your life and what your the gifts that i've called you to have i've called you to cultivate that so sometimes it'll look like you're being cultivated in one season and you're like, or in one area of your life. And you're like, oh, God forgot about this. So let me just focus on this. And then he literally pushes you out and was like, okay, you've learned everything you need there. It's time to learn everything here. So it was always difficult, but when it came to knowing, like if I want to be real with myself, I want to be 100, like I always knew because God always placed those situations right in front of me for me to know that this is still here no matter what your thoughts, no matter what your doubts, no matter what your insecurities are telling you, my word is higher than those, those things. I am God and my word still stands. It's not your time that stands, but my word that stands. You are ministering to me now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, because first of all, I feel like when we have a word from God or we have these desires or these passions, a lot of the time they don't unfold in the way that we think they should. Yeah. You know, or our vision or our idea of what that looks like is different from what God's looks like, you know? Yeah. And so when that happens, we get discouraged or we give up. We think that, oh, it's not for me, you know? Whereas you are already doing it. You're sitting on the plane next to the individuals that I called you <laughs> to minister to. You know, you're doing it already, you know, now take that and, and keep it going. Um, but I think that we just have this idea of what we want and how we want yeah. it to look and yeah. it's not always that way. And if we can just surrender to God's will and just like take each little baby step that he's telling us to take rather than wanting to take these big, you know, jump from, you know, leap to leap without, you know, hearing that God is saying to take that leap. 
because we think it should look that way. That's the way that I'm supposed to go. It has to be. No. Girl. And take that little big step. You you ate that up. And that's exactly what it is. And to be honest, it wasn't, I remember, I was like, God, I can't see. I can't see what I'm supposed to do in life. And I was bawling, breaking down because I was like, you always tell me what's the next step is going to be. So how come in this season of life, I don't know anything. And then God was like, he literally kind of told me, no, pretty much verbatim. He's like, I have to blind you so that you don't take the front seat. I'm supposed to be the driver here. And so sometimes when we feel like, oh, I know I'm supposed to go. Okay, you're going to walk here. You're going to do this. Blah, blah, blah. And God's like, hold on, whoa, whoa. slow down. I didn't want you. You're the end destination. The end goal is there. Mm-hmm. But you're taking a whole different path that you don't need. To, why are you driving when I wanted you to fly past these things? Mm. And you're seeing all your friends driving in this way. And you're like, dang, like, am I going to miss the opportunity? Because that car already left, not knowing that God is causing you. You already had a plane ticket booked to your destination. And you trying to spend an extra seven hours to, to drive when he called you to fly and be there in three. What? Yes, it may cause you to especially when it comes to speed right like when you're going through anything like think of a roller coaster you're like <laughs> like it's crazy right but even in those bumpy moments where you're like oh, god this dip is too it's too much you still get there faster it's uh, but did you die no because the lord has not given us <laughs> the spirit of fear but that a life i mean the lord has not given us uh uh what's the word i'm looking for god help me to remember it because the Lord has given us life and life more abundantly. Yeah. And he said that you will not die, but live to declare my good works. No weapon, for, uh, no weapon fashion formed against you shall prosper. So God is like, why did you think that you wasn't going to survive this? If I'm the one who was the, I'm the driver. Like we always going to survive when God is the one driving. Mm-hmm. Um. So what looked like, you know, why do I have to, t- why are we going this way? Ugh, crying. God's like, you know what? You're doing the most. So let me just, we're, I'm going to remove you from knowing what's going to actually happen in this particular season. I'll let you know where you're going to go and where you will end up. But as the steps or the route that you need to take, I'm going to handle that because you're going to try and put it into your hands and end up in places that you don't need to be. (laughs) Come on. That's a whole word. That's a whole word. And I think that, you know, it all goes back to like our our perception while we're in those those lower seasons while we're in those dark seasons and like our response to Mm -hmm. those you know because like you said we think that no this way will be easier but if we can just like respond like okay god i I don't know what you're doing i don't see what you're doing but i know that you you've got it and i think for me what's important is my exposure like what i expose myself to yes certain things allow fear to seep in because of what I've yeah. seen, yeah. you know, what, whatever it is around me. It's like, no, you're, you have to trust. I have to trust my relationship with God. I have to trust yeah. that he me so. And because I have that, I know that he's going to lead me in the right path. Yeah. So I think that if we can really just be mindful of our perception and our exposure and our response, yeah, you know, we prolong things sometimes, but <laughs> not getting those things aligned you know because we get scared it's scary you know what i'm saying and that's why when like just for anyone who's feeling like god like why every time i'm trying to get a word or i'm trying to i don't hear from you and god sometimes know that he knows that our experiences that we've dealt with in the past 
could blind us from what the future actually looks like and what it's going to be because we're like oh this you remind me of a time that okay. I once experienced you know what I'm saying and God's like just because it looks like that does not mean it's the same thing you know and we forget that sometimes we experience counterfeit situations before we experience the real thing and so we will look at the real thing when it actually comes and be like oh, <laughs> this must be counterfeit because that one <laughs> the red flags the flags Mm -hmm. and God was like, but what flags are you, what, what are, what's making you think that this moment in your life is a red flag, you know? And that's why he has to be the one to lead us because sometimes our soul, our flesh, our fears, our past can keep us from doing the things that we need to do to be where we need to be. That's so good. Yeah. And just like what we were talking about, the group of people uh, that you are called to, the, the yeah, I feel like we've seen such a switch, as you mentioned, within the entertainment industry and with people, you know, who we wouldn't expect, you know, as believers to be believers. But I feel like there's so much representation of Christianity within the entertainment industry. What do you think God is doing within oh. entertainment? God is doing what he needs to do. Okay. He's doing it because, uh, it, it really, I get, so I'm like, I'm trying to like find the words, but I'm so excited. So I'm just like trying to like center myself really quickly. But when I see what God is doing, I'm like, God, you're actually starting a revival within the industry. Like you're claiming what is rightfully yours back. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because, and what is so interesting, it's funny because I went to go visit a friend recently and I was just like, the amount of people that love God and that are within this industry, but sometimes it's like, okay, like, oh, do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? It's hard for people to actually know because maybe what's being portrayed on media, they're like, man, can I actually partake in, but God has a community for every single person, you know? So to sit down and have conversations with people who are passionate about creating with entertaining with singing dancing acting whatever it might be and then to also hear their love for god i'm like wow you're beautiful like i'm looking at these people like you look like god mm. you know because they're doing they're walking in their active purpose and there's no way you can't see the glory of god through a person when they are doing what god has called them to do fearlessly Without, without shame, without guilt, they're being who God has called them to be. So I feel like within the industry, God is starting a revival. That's simply what it is. He's, he's putting his name back on the forefront. He's letting people know that, yes, you can live. I think what's beautiful about this is that God is showing people that they can be who they are called to be and love God at the same time. Mm. It's not a choice if that makes sense. Of course you chose God. That is the actual choice. But in terms of who God has destined each person to be, there's a calling. There's a divine calling on every person's life. So if you're called to the industry, what's keeping you away? What I'm afraid of how I'm going to be perceived. I'm I'm afraid this at the third man like is this too secular? Is this this is this that? But what's so wonderful about trying to discern, is this what you want me to do, Lord? How do you want me to do this? Is when there's a community of people within the industry that are also actively seeking God and displaying their talents, you don't feel alone. It's like, you. Feel, it's literally like an army of Christ within the entertainment industry. 
you know? And like to hear all the representation and to see people like, oh, what, that's you? We don't realize how that is drawing more people into the kingdom, right? Because there's so many people like, oh my God, like I love him, I love her. Oh, they're my favorite actor, they're my favorite singer. And then when they're glorifying God saying, oh, I just wanna thank God for everything that he's done. They're like, hold on, you're, you know God? Tell me, can you tell me more about Jesus? Can you tell me? And then it activates them. That's a thousand souls right there. 2000 souls that you just brought into the kingdom by being your true authentic self and walking in your purpose. You know, when I look at entertainers, I'm like, y'all are just, y'all are evangelists. That's really what it is. They're, it's evangelism. And I think once people have that understanding, there's less fear in doing what God has called you to do. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I think that, like you said, entertainers have the largest platform. So why mm -hmm. wouldn't God be there? Here, and that's, that's the real, that's the real question. That's the real question. Why wouldn't he be there? So for anyone to act like God can't be in music, like God can't be in movies and TV, it makes absolutely no sense if you read Hero. the book you know, like he wants us to have impact. He want, we are here to serve. Yeah. So if someone can go to TV, go to their favorite show and say, oh man, I love that girl. She's da 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 da. Mm -hmm. And then hear her proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. That's going to make her, that's going to strike her curiosity. That's going to make her be interested, you know? Exactly. So why God use those individuals to show himself? You know, it's right. the best platform. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm like, if you think about it too, like when we think about the chair, the cherubims, what do they do? They sing. They they love to they sing to God. They glory. God gave every single one of us a unique gift: singing, dancing, acting. Um, whether you're in, you're an athlete, you're playing basketball, you're playing soccer, whatever it is, there's a whole entire audience. That yeah. is attached to those people because why? A lot of people associate entertainment or things in entertainment with things that they use to cope and to heal. Mm. So it's like when the, um, I'm feeling down, let me put my headphones in. They go into their song. I don't, I, I'm just going to binge watch this episode. Mm -hmm. But there's a character that they're watching on screen that they can relate to. Yeah. Now their curiosity is like, man, I want to know more about this person. I really love the role that they played. So yeah. now that they're seeking that, like you said, they're, they're now curious and they're looking into that person. You're hearing them say like, well, I just want to thank God. Like, man, Jesus really did this for me. They're like, Jesus, like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. And then you go into a, a little bit deeper. And now this person is receiving healing from what brought them literally just to watch a show because they were feeling down, not knowing that what they were doing was seeking the face of God and finding that within a person whose identity has been purposely driven in God and also in the career that he is, that they, God has called them to be in, mm. you know? So mm. everything is connected. Yeah. It's, it's all so connected. It's so connected. I love that you bring that up because you know, I think that we forget how we all have these things that we want to accomplish. We have these things that we go to school for or whatever. Everything is attached to our purpose. I feel yeah. like our career, our our lifestyles, it's all attached to our purpose. Mm -hmm. So if we can look at our careers, especially in that way, then we can be there for more than ourselves. I think that that's what 
sometimes delays to the promise is when we're thinking of it with a selfish mentality instead of like, how can I serve here? You know, even on your nine to five that you might hate, like, what are you, why are you there? How are you going to serve? Okay. Everything is about service. So yes, I was on your blog and you have an article called let's talk imposter syndrome. And one of the excerpts from that blog, you say that the devil's goal is to make people shy away from their career aspirations, especially since he knows the audience and the impact attached to your life. Um, How can we, you already scratched the surface with this, but like, how important is it to make sure we block those attacks of the enemy? Because I really do believe that there is so much attachment with between our career and our ministry. Like a career can be our ministry. Man, so just to understand the question you're asking, how can we block like yes, how can we the block voice of the enemy from yeah. discouraging us from our career? And okay, um, woo. it's a loaded question, but I would say the first thing is remember whose you are. Mm-hmm. Remember whose you are. Before we came into this world, God already knew us. He created us with a purpose. So knowing that, and also knowing that the devil was literally kicked out of heaven and he can't get back in. So he's over here trying to make everybody feel upset and feel shame. Why? There's nothing that the devil does that is driven with good intentions. Mm. So if he's trying to make you feel condemned, if he's trying to make you feel like, you're not good enough. You need to actually take that feeling and know that the truth is the opposite of it. You are good enough. You are called because anything the devil does is to drive people away from the kingdom of God. Mm. And that's what it is. So even when it comes to just your career, your purpose and what you, you, you're called to do and what you desire to do, it's knowing that there must be something tied to what I'm about to do if the fight is this hard. If, if I'm struggling to believe, oh, I'm going to be this person, where are these thoughts coming from? Yeah. And why do they want me to believe it so bad? Yeah. It's actually sitting down to think about, okay, like, oh, this person says I'm not, I don't even know, man, this up there. Do you know how many people felt like imposters before they actually while they were even in the midst of their work no one feels good and quote unquote good enough to do what they're they're doing number one there's practice but even in the practice they're like man there's they're always going to be looking like oh this person's doing this maybe i should be doing it this way but the what qualifies us is god god is the qualifier so it's okay to feel like god i don't know i don't no one has nobody has the answers Literally, no one has the answers as to what life is supposed to look like. So as soon as we get that out of our mind and get that out of our, oh man, my career is supposed to look like this at the third, or am I supposed to do this? Man, I don't look like what I'm supposed to. I don't fit in. I don't, getting rid of those, what people think are qualifiers, you remove yourself from being disqualified and you allow God to qualify you and move within you. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like going back to that point of like, sometimes feeling like you're moving blindly and you're doing something. The only way that you can get better at something is by doing it. 
you can dream and plan about doing something, but until you actually do it, there is no, there is no movement. There is no career. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that made any sense. That made all the sense. That okay. Sense because we do, we think that, that that's all the devil wants. You know, there's this, <laughs> there's a show. I don't know. I don't think a lot of people watched it because it didn't last that long, but Marlon Wayans had a show called Marlon. It was a sitcom. Mm -hmm. And I remember he was telling his daughter, um, his daughter was getting bullied or something like that. And he was like, she she went to a predominantly white school so he was like you gotta get you gotta get black on them or something he said like that he was like, when she starts saying something or doing something you gotta be like that's what I wanted you to do that's what I wanted you to do <laughs> and I think about that like when when we when we respond in doubt and when we respond in like oh I'm not good enough that's what the devil wants you to do that's what the devil wants, you to, wants you to do he's like mission accomplished but if we can push against that thinking like oh this is exactly what you want me to do so I'm gonna do what I know I'm created to do what I'm capable of and I'm gonna stand up to this and be who God called me to be that's and, period you know, it's literally praising God in the midst of your doubts yeah God, I'm gonna still praise you like it's there's this one um and it's funny that you say that I don't know it's one of the I don't know if it's scream or one of the scary movies Mm -hmm. um, and this girl is literally like, oh, you're trying to kill me? This other thing. And she's literally breaking herself. And this guy is like the, the scream, the little character is getting so scared because he's like, oh, wait, she crazy. <laughs> she's look a little crazy. Like if they punch you, if you feel like you're taking some punches, be like, yeah, that punch. I, I ate that up. <laughs> yeah. Start laughing. Get a little crazy with it. Get a little hood with it. Because the devil wants you to be afraid. He wants you to be like, oh no, please. You're right. You're right. Laugh in his face. Mm -hmm. You know, let him know that no matter what he says, like you still going to heaven and he's still going to be kicked out. So who's really winning? You wasting your time over here, devil. Wasting your time. Okay. I love that. I love that so very much, man. And I know with your counseling, you deal with a lot of people's past trauma their generational yeah. patterns how do we how do we move past our past trauma and some of the things that have been passed down from generation to generation mm -hmm. in order to be our best selves oh we 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 that is a question um the first thing i would like to say is surrender i feel like that's just always going to be a theme and surrendered not in the sense where it's like, because sometimes I think the misunderstanding with forgiveness is that people think forgiveness means that as soon as you say, I forgive them, like it's supposed to be a done deal. But when you're saying, Lord God, I want to forgive, I forgive, I let this go. You are surrendering to the process of healing. And you're saying, God, here I am, I'm open. I'm allowing you to come and move inside of me. Yeah. So it's more of making an active to an active decision to want to heal and an active decision to kind of surrender and submit to God to bring that healing is when people will see movement. Mm. And also it's admitting that they were hurt that they were embarrassed. Man, I experienced this in my past. This did hurt me because you know we always want to save face. We want to look good. We don't want, we, 
you know, we, we don't want to let people know that they hurt us. We don't want to let people know, um, mom, dad, this hurt. I can't believe that we don't want to let them know grandma, grandpa. I can't believe they don't want to let people know because it's so, it's almost like taboo to show emotion sometimes. Mm-hmm. And which is really sad. That's why I think mental health is such a big deal when it comes to the practicality of even your spiritual journey with God, because God is very practical with the things that he does. And so when it comes to just being able to sit and saying, this actually hurt me and choosing to let it go in that moment, there is so much power because you now make room for God to bring everything new that he needs to bring in for this next season and this next stage of life. I remember when I was going through it, like when I said earlier, I think this was like, I want to say it was 20, man, it was like 2018 to 2021, 2020. It was a little thick little time period, but there was like, they're up and downs. Right. But I remember there was one day where I was like, God, how come I can't push forward? Like, I know that you're calling me to do all of this, but I'm not, man, I'm not able to do it. What's happening? And I literally had to sit there. I got so frustrated. I just locked myself in my room and I just sat there. And God was like, you need to surrender. I'm like, surrender to what? God, like, really I have no, I'm, I'm, I'm locked up. I'm hidden. I'm mm-hmm. literally by myself. What else do you want from me? What else, what else is there to let go of? What else? And he said, you may have said, okay, I'm gonna close this door to this person, close this door to this. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna stop doing this. Stop doing that. But you didn't, the one thing that you refuse to let go of is that hurt that you're carrying, that anger that you're carrying. Because sometimes it feels good to carry it. Sometimes it becomes part of your identity because you don't know who you will be without that pain. And it's not even because you don't want to be live a painless life, but it's more so the fear of experiencing joy, the fear of experiencing the fact that, okay, God, you can actually do something new for me, you know, because when we believe, oh, you know, it won't happen. It's easy. It's easy when you don't have hope, your hope can't be deferred and you can't grow sick. But God was like, I need you to have hope so that you can see and become who you need to become. So I had to sit there and literally let go of all the, it was a list. It was a list of things and people and places and even myself. That's another thing. Forgiving yourself and also surrendering the idea of what you thought it was gonna look like for what it actually will be in God's hands and being comfortable with not knowing, even in the midst of creating, Mm -hmm. even in the midst of, okay, I'm, I'm singing, getting over. Literally, I think it's getting rid of the pride of being human, if that makes sense. Being the pride of, getting rid of the pride that allows you to, that keeps you from showing emotion and from being authentic. Because to be honest, when you are vulnerable, it's power. Vulnerability is power. What makes people unique and what draws people to their audience is what what they've experienced, their vulnerability. You know what I'm saying? But when you're holding that in and you're like, mm, you know what, it's, it's fine. I'm gonna you're trying to act like you have everything all together. You're going to fall apart. Yeah. And God's going to wait for you 
to fall apart so that he can remold you so that he can create you into the thing that you want to be we over here like god i want to look like this most not the most beautiful heart ever but it's like okay but i want to look like that but I'm, I'm i'm gonna do it so you're over here trying to mold yourself and you look like this god's like baby we gotta fix this and you're like mm. you're refusing to let go you're refusing to let go god is going to put you in a place where you will low-key break so that he can give you what you desired your whole entire life the the shape which he knows that you can take so when it comes to tools and and being at a place like mentally emotionally spiritually it's knowing that it's okay to not be okay when god is the one that's going to make you okay yeah but allow yourself to be real allow mm -hmm. yourself to be real with where you're at so you can get to where you want to be and where you need to be that was so oh <laughs> allow yourself to be real i i think that one i'll just speak for for myself sometimes because i've been really trying to work on communication and like expressing myself and not keeping things in i think that so many people suffer from what you talked about that pride of or wanting to look like we have it all together wanting to look so strong wanting to seem like we're invincible and everyone knows you're not you know or and and even if they don't seem to show that they are some people really do think oh she's all she's always okay she's gonna be fine but it's like you're not yeah. and so for me I've been trying to learn how to communicate but I think sometimes I don't always articulate it correctly what I'm experiencing and then that leads to further frustration. Mm -hmm. So what I'm challenging challenging myself to do is really like sit with the thing before I try to communicate it. Yes, I want to be a better communicator. Yes, I don't want to keep things held in, but I want to make sure I understand what I'm feeling and I know what I'm experiencing before mm -hmm. I speak it out because sometimes it comes out as lashing out or you know just like oh this is how I feel yeah. or I process what I feel you know so and I guess a couple tools that I can give you for that too is number one journaling sometimes helps a lot um but sometimes people don't like journaling because they're like mm, like I'm already doing so much in my life why am I in a journal so I sometimes like to go on a car ride and I will literally just I'll act like I'm talking to a friend but I'm actually talking to God but I'm also talking because I'm trying to understand what I'm feeling. You know, it feels weird at first, but ain't nobody got to know. You could be speaking to someone on a speaker in the car. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But you start talking like, okay, I feel this. I feel that. And it's low key scary at times because some of the stuff that's about to come out of your mouth, you're like, mm -hmm. someone's going to hear me, but ain't nobody in the car, but you and God. So allow yourself to say it. Even if it's like, wow, God, I just said that that didn't sound pretty. I don't know where that came from. Why did that happen? And so the more you're able, like sometimes I'll literally go sit, I'll get Chick-fil-A, I'll sit in the parking lot and I'll just be talking. Mm -hmm. I'll be talking, but I know that God is so present in the car. And after a while, you start to feel his presence. What started off as I'm afraid to say this, it's also developing intimacy because it's like, God, like that's something I used to also be afraid of. Like, I don't know how to communicate and say, what I'm trying to say. I don't want people to be offended. I don't want people to take it the wrong way. I don't even know what I'm feeling. Help. Like I would literally sometimes just sit there quiet. Mm. And then God was like, talk to me. I was like, 
what am I supposed to say? And he said, just talk. I'm like, well, today I did this and I, today I did that. And he said, no, t- what are you feeling? I'm like, mm. so I had to sit there and just ask myself random questions. Like, what am I feeling in this moment? Yeah. I'm feeling sad. Okay, why are you feeling sad? Well, I guess I'm feeling sad because I don't know if you still have this in your plans for me. Did I do something wrong? And God was like, why do you think you did something wrong? Why do you think? Well, because I feel this, that, the third. And then God will be like, it's like you're starting conversation because now you're also bringing the Bible back into play where it's like, it's literally not by our actions, but by the grace of God that sustains us and takes us to where we're going to be. He knows that we're human. He knows that we, we struggle. He knows there's something even within you yeah. where it's like you, the fact that you can get on here and you can talk to people and the way you, you speak, you have like a grace to just ask the right questions and to respond in such a beautiful way. But it's like going back to that, oh, the enemy likes to try to like make us feel like, oh, we can't communicate. We can't do this. But it's like, sometimes we won't even be aware that that's a thought until we actually speak it out. And then you hear it and you're like, mm? yeah. hold on. The math ain't math in here. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, yes, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> thank you for that. No, really. Like, I think that we do sometimes take on um, I don't want to say ill illnesses or like um, we just take on these characteristics yeah. and we need to stop taking them on. We need to yeah. stop claiming them. We need to like say, no, I am a good communicator. Or I am, you know, and rather than allowing the enemy once again to play into those insecurities because that's yeah. all, it is, you know, and it and takes I, practice. It takes practice. Yeah. It, it takes, you know, you can see someone 80, 90 years old, still practicing. Okay. Like, <laughs> like it could be a lifetime of practice. I feel like we're constantly growing and we're constantly finding something else we got to work on. But it's, that's the, the beautiful part about it too, is the work never stops. Yeah. The work never stops. That's Man. what makes us alive. That's what makes us alive. That's what <laughs> as as long as we're still alive, there's a new assignment that requires us to become at a different level. Yeah. Mm. That's a word. Y'all tweet that. Okay. <laughs> that was good. Oh, man. Let's talk about the Instagram live movement um, because I'm sure that is another uh, baby for you passion project. Yeah. Um, and it has just been, I've gotten the honor and privilege of, of being a part and witnessing it a few times and just to see you flow in the spirit, to see you like so gracefully just hear from God and speak into people that you don't even always know. Um, it's just so beautiful. And it's like really inspiring. What, what is that like? Where are you at when you're on those Instagram? Where are you <laughs> it's so funny that you asked this. Sometimes I will be in the midst of my own, like, yeah. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And then I'll be like crying. I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. God's like, just show up. Mm. And then I will show up and God will literally speak in that exact moment. And I'll be like, thank you for showing up. But the message that he gives was something that I needed for myself as well. So Mm. it feels like when I go live, it's like, I'm just an empty, I'm just empty. And Mm. God is the one like flowing through me, if that makes sense. so it's so it's so weird sometimes to actually it's cool to 
go back and to watch it because I'll like do the live and then after I'll be like, amen. And then I'll go back and I'll watch it and I'll hear the message. Like I'll actually be hearing it for the first time and I'll be <gasps> crying because in the moment, I'm not necessarily aware of what I'm saying. It's not until I go back to look at it that I'm like, oh, 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 <laughs> you know, that it hits different. Um, but it's so, I don't know. There's sometimes where you could just feel a yearning. You could feel a yearning in your spirit. And I used to think that yearning and that groaning and kind of like that, uh, mm -hmm. like there's stuff going on in the world. Like you almost feel the weight of the world. You feel like it's because of what you're experiencing in your life. But then God helped me to realize that when it's the body of Christ, the spirit of God and the word of the message of God for the season will always be one and the same. Mm. And so at that point, God was like, you're not feeling this for you. You're feeling it because other people are feeling it. Mm. And so I started to go live and I'd speak to people and just hear them. But there'll be times where the Holy Spirit will just come and move so deeply that you're almost like, engulfed with so much love that if you don't express it you don't communicate what the lord is saying to that person you feel like you're literally going to explode like that's how it feels sometimes like and i think when i was being trained like especially before this is before i started even going live um there was a time where like god was really training me and the love of god was so thick because he was like, I need you to have some love in, more love in you for my people. Because those times where I, one thing that I used to fight with or struggle with was anger. And God had to really actually hone me and calm me down because I was, I, was, I used to be fighting people. But <laughs> God was like, you can't fight the people that I'm calling you to come and change and come and help. And I was like, oh, he said, but what's happening in their life? I don't know. Hmm. And so when I started to understand it, it's so humbling. It's so humbling because, and I think that's why I really got into just ministry and like, you know, talking to people because people have a grace. God, when it's God, God makes it look like you don't look like what you've gone through yeah, or what you're going through. So the fact that God can just have us hop on live and we sit there in a community and it's like, he's talking to each person individually, but talking to everyone at the same time, it's like you feel seen and you feel heard. Mm -hmm. So there was a time when God was like, I need to fill you with more love. And he filled me up. I was literally, <gasps> and I pass out. Because the love would be so much, I was literally passing out. Like, I'd be, huh, and I'd pass out. And then I'd wake up two minutes later, like, huh, and it was so much. So I called my dad from Nigeria. I called my parents. I'm like, Daddy, the love is too much. What do I do? He said, you need to pray. He said, start praying for people. Start praying for people. So mm -hmm. my parents would tell me to pray. So I started praying for people, praying for people. And you could feel like a literal physical release of the love of God, like, out to those people and then people would call or text the next day and be like hey i just saw you in a dream this that the third but not knowing that they're actually seeing god speaking to them so when it came to doing lives it was just so it's such an intimate experience like when anyone gets to like actually come in it's so intimate because it's a time where god let, gets to speak to everyone um and let them know that 
they are seen and they're not judged and that no matter what their circumstances is, their circumstances do not define them. Mm. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. There's so much I could say about it, but it's just, it's so beautiful to see it. And I, I, it's interesting when people are like, oh, how do you feel about your wives? And I just sometimes feel like I, I can't take any credit because I just show up and God's the one that does all the work. <laughs> yeah, I totally believe that. Like that's nothing but God because the the ability, like I said, to see you flow. Like it's like, you know, people get on Instagram live, they have conversations, but you are like seeing people you know, but it's God, <laughs> like, you're like, okay, this person needs this right now, come into this live, I need to talk to you, and you've done that with me, and I was actually just looking at, because I went back and rewatched it, and then recorded our, our time together when we spoke via live, and I was like, man, this was maybe, this was 2021, and a lot of those things that you spoke into my life happened, Wow. And it was like, that's nothing but God, you know, because these were things that when you were saying them, they didn't connect. Mm -hmm. But now watching them almost two years later or a year and a half later, it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All connected now, you know, she was prophesying, she was, you know, speaking the future. <laughs> and so, man, like to be able to, first of all, it's such a beautiful gift and it's such a, um, you're using it for his glory, which is so amazing. Um, but we talked to a little bit and I don't, I'm not going to press into because we've been talking for a minute. I'm not going to press on this too long, but we talked a little bit about just building our own relationship with God and, and making sure that we hear from him. Do you think that prophecy is connected to discernment and is it something that we all should be able to tap into? 100%, 100%. Prophecy looks different for, for everyone, but when you think about prophecy, it's really just God talking to you, conversations with God. Mm -hmm. So the only way to really develop prophecy is to be more in your word, to be listening to worship music, to, to feed your spirit, because what you're trying to do is to strengthen your spirit so that your spirit can lead you and not your flesh. Because it literally, the way it is, it's like your your spirit, your soul, and then there's your, your body, your body, soul, and spirit. But I say, like, look at it this way. The spirit, there's a soul, and then there's your body. The spirit belongs to God. So it's the spirit of God within you that is moving. So mm -hmm. just like anything that needs to be fed, your spirit needs to be fed. Yeah. So when you are listening to worship music, when you're having those conversations with even people, and also when you're taking time to talk about, um, you know, the Bible or to read the word of God and ask questions like, okay, what are you saying here? Help me to understand this. You're strengthening your spirit, which will also lead you from going astray in the wrong way, which is what we call discernment. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people will think, oh, this is my... I don't know if it's my conscience. I don't know. I just don't feel like I should be doing this. It's because your spirit is now being strengthened enough for it to speak and your soul and your body hears in that movement. And the way to alleviate, because sometimes the soul and the spirit will battle, but that's why I like to incorporate like mental health, like when it, when it comes to like counseling and advising. And like, I really tell people to like do that inner healing work because 
your soul needs to be freed up from all like the gunk, the trauma, the pain, so that you can move lighter in accordance with the body, soul, and spirit, like with in oneness with God, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to even just practical tools, read the word of God, have conversations with people, talk about how you feel. It's so funny because people are like, what do you mean talk about how you feel? When you talk about how you feel or you just find someone that you can talk with and say, you know, I'm just feeling like this. I'm feeling like that. One thing that I will always do and what I always say is like, never look at a person next to you and think that they don't know enough to speak into your life. Mm. Um, I've had conversations with people, literally even kids. My God, I, I'm a, I used to teach as well. So even little kids, they'd be like, Miss Rebecca, you know what? You're so beautiful, but sometimes you're really hard on yourself. I don't know why you feel like you have. I'm like, come, come again. Like what? It it'll be something that I was just thinking about in that moment because God is speaking through them. Or I will be like literally at the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. They should actually like sponsor me because I mentioned them like twice now. That I really <laughs> like that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll be at the drive-thru and someone will be like, you know what? I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel like you should, how are you doing? They'll just ask questions, literally while randomly. So you never know what people are going to say, but you also never know who God is going to use to communicate through you, which is why conversations are to you, which is why conversations in general are just so important. So definitely birds of a feather flock together. So mind your company and make sure they align with who you want to become and where you want to go. Because if you are not aligned with the people that, um, if you're not aligned with people that also identify with who you're becoming, it's easy to unbecome. <laughs> oh. and it's easy to bring delay to a process that the Lord has already gotten you so far in, you yeah. know? So have conversations, have conversations with the right people, be open um, heal, read the word of God, um, go to Bible studies, go to church, like find a community, find a community. That's really what it is. Find a community that can speak life into you and make sure you speak life into yourself. Mm. Yes. Mm. This is so good. So, so good. Oh my God, <laughs> man. I feel like man, there's so many more conversations we could delve into with I know so, so good and I'm so full just from this time that we shared together I want to know before we wrap this up how can we be praying for you first and then let us know where we can find you your social medias all that good stuff well that is such a how can you pray for me girl you're about to have me over here crying that is actually the sweetest thing ever um I think the prayer would just be, what would the prayer, you know, what's really interesting. I don't pray for myself a lot. And I, that's something I need to actually start doing more. If I really think about it. Um, wow. This, this might be the question that has me stuck. I think the quest, the, the prayer would be just the grace to continue to do what the Lord would have me do and the grace for people to see and experience God. I think that's it. 
I, and I think I kind of tied it into just, I don't know when I pray for myself, it's mostly praying for people. So it's not even about me, but may God do what he can do through me so that it can reach his people. I think that's the prayer. You guys can find me on the Rebecca Elijah on Instagram, the Rebecca Elijah on TikTok, healedentertainers.com. If you want to sign up for a free 15 minute consultation, you just want to get a feel and see what it's about. And yeah. And if you go on my Instagram, I also have my link tree there so you can get all the rest of the information, but I'm so grateful to have been here. This is so much fun and you're such a blessing, Renee. I really love what you do. You inspire me. And man, I could just see the glory of God shining through you because you are so involved in purpose. And I think one last thing, I don't know why I feel like I need to say this, is everything that you do is purpose. So it may not feel like, man, it may not feel like, man, I want to, I'm right where I want to be. But God told me this the other day. He said, when you wake up and you go to the store, that's purpose. When you go to sleep, that's purpose. When you talk to your friend on the phone, that's purpose. When you say, God bless you to a person that just sneezed, that's purpose. When you're able to see someone and say, have a nice day, that's purpose. Because you never know what a person needs in that moment. So it might look like everyday little things that we're doing but everything that we do is purpose and God will tie it together for you to see the grandmaster puzzle that is right in front of us. <laughs> I received that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I did need that. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Man, you blessed me so much. I know you've blessed our viewers and our listeners tremendously. Definitely make sure you are following Rebecca so that you can be a part of those Instagram lives when they happen. Go to the website, Hilt Entertainers, because if you are an entertainer or if you are in any type of related field, you need this in your life. Like we need <laughs> to be poured into because we are pouring into people so much. We need to be filling ourselves back up. So definitely utilize her services. Thank you again, Rebecca, for being here. I enjoyed you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you everyone for watching and or listening to the name of better duo podcast. I am Renee Nicole. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Be blessed until then.